Virginia's Piedmont is a magical place. From Shenandoah National Park to rich verdant farmland, the region is both beautiful and productive. Protecting a place this large and special is no simple task, but fortunately, the Piedmont Environmental Council has been on the job since 1972 and has preserved hundreds of thousands of acres of land. Recently, they've launched a new historic preservation initiative to connect that work to historic places, and today's guest, Christy Kendall, is leading that work. From Preservation Maryland Studios in the historic podcast district of Baltimore, this is PreserveCast! This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we are joined by Christy Kendall, who grew up in Fairfax County, Virginia, where her passion for preservation of land was first peaked. After watching the obliteration of important farmland and historical sites near her home, she realized the importance of protecting land. She attended the James Madison University, receiving a BA in American History in 2008 and a master's degree in historic preservation from the University of Maryland in 2010. Her master's thesis included a GIS inventory of a thousand acre area of former home sites in Shenandoah National Park from which she created an interpretive trail about the history of the area. She came to the Piedmont Environmental Council from the American Battlefield Protection Program in Washington, D.C., where she advocated for the preservation of significant battlefield landscapes across their country. In her spare time, she enjoys hiking, backpacking, and genealogical research, all good things to do in the Piedmont. Christy, it's a pleasure to have you with us here today on PreserveCast. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Nick. So you, your your bio kind of spells out your path to preservation, what got you involved in this. But was there a specific, you talk about seeing farmland lost and historical sites being lost. Was there a specific one that stands out that kind of put you on this path? You know, I actually, I don't know that there was one site or one instance in particular. I would say it was sort of over time watching the county change. but. I think my my interest in history probably stems from my my family's connection to the area. My my dad's mom's family actually has really deep roots in Madison County, like out in the Blue Ridge. Mm-hmm. And uh, growing up, I would hear all of these snippets from my dad and his siblings talking about trips that the family would make out to the country when he was growing up, as they called it, out to the country. Um, and he would talk about Aunt Sis making cornbread and taking naps over by the warm cook stove because the old home place had like a one of those separate outdoor kitchens. Right. So this property was it was at the end of this really, really long gravel road out in Shotwell Hollow. And it had been in the family from 1744 until my Aunt Sis died in the late 1980s. And so growing up, I would hear all of these different stories and see these photos of the old home place. And I think it was that that really made the history come alive for me. Now, is the home place still there? The home place is still there. It's not in the family anymore. But uh, anytime I'm driving through Madison County, I, I go back and visit it to make sure it's still standing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe a future acquisition. It's, it's a dream of, I think, everyone in my family. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your first job in the field? So you went to JMU, which is in the Valley, and then you went to um, UMD, which is decidedly yeah. not in the Shenandoah Valley. 
Um, yeah. So a little different experience there. Um, but then your first job in the field is where? So uh, my first job was with the American Battlefield Protection Program, a part of the National Park Service. And I was hired on in, I believe, 2009 as a NICSHBO contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came on when ABPP was in the process of finalizing their updates to the Civil War Sites Advisory Commission's uh, I think it was their 1993 report. So they were updating and, and revising the study and core areas for the, the country's most significant Civil War battlefields. And while the the battlefield boundaries had really been sort of completed at that point, what they were trying to do when I came on was establish what we called partners or potential national register eligible areas. So it was really cool. They they trained me in GIS, and I actually got to assist with drawing a number of those boundaries. It was really fun. And which sites did you work on? Just Virginian sites or all over the country? I, you know, I did work on some Virginia ones, but I did so many of them that I can't remember where where all of them were. So they were um, all over the country, though, I guess. They were all over the country, yes. Towards the end of my time there, I sort of transitioned over to working on their uh, planning grants program, which was cool, too, because I got to see all of these really, really neat projects that were being funded across the country. So from the American Battlefield Protection Program, you head to the Piedmont Environmental Council. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So for mm-hmm. someone, yep. I mean, for people living in the Piedmont, obviously most people know about PEC uh, and even a lot of Virginians know about it because your work is, is really fantastic. But for someone, let's say, listening in from California who has no idea what PEC is, why don't you give us in a nutshell sort of the history of PEC, how it came about, what it focuses on? Sure. Sure. Uh, The history of PEC is actually pretty closely tied to sort of the growth of the fields of both land conservation and historic preservation. And I, you sort of alluded to this in the bio that you read of me, but um, in you know the 1960s, 1970s, there's this ever-growing concern really across the country um, about the rapid loss of historic sites and farmland. But in particular, you know, the D.C. metro area, which was really growing, and a lot of residents and landowners in in Fauquier County and Loudoun counties in particular were concerned about that rapid growth coming out of, of Fairfax County and some of the other suburbs and extending out into Virginia's Piedmont. Actually, this is, it's funny. Just the other day, my coworker was talking about a book called Design with Nature, which I have not read, but he was talking to me about it pretty extensively. It was written in 1969, and it essentially predicted what would occur over the next 25 years in the D.C. area if there weren't regulations in place to help control and direct that growth. And I have no idea if any of our founding members actually read this book, but it was certainly a shared sentiment among many at this time. So three years later, 1972, the Piedmont Environmental Council was founded as a nonprofit to oversee landscape scale conservation and land use planning in a nine-county area of Virginia's Piedmont. So we go from essentially Loudoun County um, all the way down to Albemarle County. And you or formed in the 70s, but 
I guess, I mean, this is sort of a leading question because I know the answer to it, but, um, <laughs> but there's, there's a big moment in the late 1980s when it really kind of takes off and PEC yeah. really takes a national and, and in, in a true preservation land conservation issue. You want to talk about that issue and what all transpired there? Are you hinting at Disney? I am. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, yeah, I, I will talk a little bit about that in, I believe it was 1993, Disney had this proposal to build a 3,000-acre theme park only about four miles outside of Manassas Battlefield. So it was really, really close to the battlefield. And aside from just the concern about what this massive theme park would entail, there was also a concern about the 20-mile-wide radius of collateral development that analyses were showing would essentially follow if this theme park was built. And PEC was really small at the time, but we organized a, a meeting in the Plains at, I believe it was Grace Episcopal Church, and so many people came out to the meeting. And I should also preface this by saying I was not around at the time, but this story has been told to me again and again. So I kind of feel almost like I was there. <laughs> right. It's sort of like preservation lore in Virginia. Yes, yes. So the space was packed. I mean, people poured into the building. And I think that, you know, that if nothing else shows the growing concern that there was about what this theme park would mean. And so um, PEC organized this, you know, grassroots effort to fight the Disney proposal, but it really began to gain momentum. And a number of other organizations joined into this coalition. Um, it was local, state, national organizations. The National Trust was involved. There were a number of historians like uh, James McPherson and Shelby Foote that were involved, uh, environmentalists. And we worked, all of us, this you know, big group of us, um, worked for the next year to get Disney to back down from this proposal. I mean, there were there were all kinds of funny stories, like a couple bobbleheads. There was a Goofy and a Mickey bobblehead that would follow uh, Disney's chairman and CEO at the time, Michael Eisner, around when he was in D.C. for the Lion King's premiere. And I think the same bobbleheads followed Disney's lobbyists around at the Virginia General Assembly, even into their meetings. So they would like pop up behind the shoulders of uh, the <laughs> lobbyists. <laughs> that that uh, hopefully those bobbleheads have been pre preserved somewhere. They're stuffed, I hope, stuffed I hope in so. Chris I Miller's so. office or something. <laughs> so. So that's a major sort of watershed moment in the organization. You said that the organization was sort of small at that moment. Is that really when it kind of takes off in terms of growth of just the organization? Yeah, yes, more or less. I mean, I think it was it was this event that helped PEC receive receive greater recognition and kind of helped propel us to the for, forefront, at least, you know, on on the state level. And so at that at the time of Disney, we had roughly seven full-time staff. Mm -hmm. And in the 20, gosh, 25 years, I guess, since Disney, we're up to about 32 full-time staff today. And there's been a number of other, you know, campaigns along the way, but that is, you know, still today something that we're really well known for, our work on that. So speaking of your work, why don't you tell us a little bit about 
you know, we've gotten the background on PEC, how you got started, that kind of thing. What kind of programs do you have today? What is the organization focusing on? And then maybe we can kind of transition into the historic preservation work, but sort of the broader picture, sure. what kind of things you guys are doing today? So we we look at the environment in a really broad way. We see everything as being interconnected. So we do everything from land conservation work, conservation easements, over to the land use planning side because we see both of those working together very closely to help protect the Piedmont. So, uh, you know, we we have field representatives in the counties that we work in, working with the localities to have strong, comprehensive plans. We work with local governments and counties to pursue good transportation solutions and alternatives. We we have a Buy Fresh, Buy Local program. Actually, PEC launched the first Buy, Buy Fresh, Buy Local program in 2006. Uh, just kind of a fun fact. That is a fun and, fact. Yeah. And uh, we do a lot to work with landowners on preserving wildlife habitat, protecting our waterways and drinking water supplies. So we're we're really sort of all over the place because we see everything as being part of the bigger picture. So Christy, in terms of just sort of big picture, how much PEC has has protected and how much I guess is protected in the Piedmont because obviously you've had a hand in some specific projects, but really your advocacy and your land use planning makes it all kind of possible and come together. What's the land protection status look like in the in the overall Piedmont? Sure. Uh, so as of the end of last year, 2017, we're at 405,000 acres in our nine county area. That's a lot. And and I would say, and you know, PEC was not obviously directed directly involved in all of those efforts, but I would say we were probably involved in somewhere between 80 to 90 percent of those efforts, whether it was meeting with a landowner early on and helping them find the best holder for that easement or whether it was us actually holding the easement outright. And just so that, I mean, people thinking about the Piedmont area and they, they can kind of envision it, but does that acreage include or is, is within your footprint the national park, the Shenandoah National Park, or that's outside of your footprint? That in, so it is included in our footprint. Um, okay. So that's why some of the some of the, some of the work we do is is certainly involved with the park. Right, right, and it's a I mean it's a huge buffer and a huge tourist draw and you know a critical part. But it's also if you're up on for anybody who's visited Shenandoah, when you're up on the Shenandoah and looking out, you're seeing a landscape protected because largely because of the work of PEC. So there would be a very different experience of going to visit Shenandoah National Park if you looked off over subdivisions, right? So I mean Oh, oh, absolutely. And and you know what's what's interesting with Shenandoah National Park that's different from a lot of other national parks is just what you're saying. When you're up on Skyline Drive looking out, you're not actually looking out into the land within the park boundary. Right, you're like looking almost, out into private land ownership. So that's why it's even more vital that you know, there are conservation groups in this area working to protect that view because that's what people come to see right. when they come out to Shenandoah. Right. Which kind of gets back to the point that it's all interconnected, right? Like you can't right. just can't right. put blinders on and pretend that what's happening outside of the, the park boundary doesn't matter, which is the easy, the easy way out <laughs> to, to say, well, you know, that's, that's outside of the park. So we can't think about that. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't mm -hmm. work that way. So, you know, obviously it's a land protection group. It's a advocacy, a policy group. It's a, you know, an environmental group, it's a pro, you know, local ag group. 
it's also a historic preservation group. And what I'm going to say, so I was once, I worked for Civil War Trust, which was a battlefield preservation group before I came here to Preservation Maryland. And I was interviewed by someone who was working on their thesis. And they, they asked me, because we were doing land protection work, they said, well, do you ever do real preservation? And <laughs> which I was, you know, because in their mind, real preservation was like buildings. And it was sort of like this, right, like, right. like staggering moment, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, real, let's talk about real preservation. So, um, so do you ever do real preservation, Christy? I'm, I'm joking, of course. But I mean, what kind of work, how does historic preservation play into this? What kind of work are you doing? And maybe give people a sense for like, What's your day-to-day? What kind of projects are you working on? Sure, sure. Well, it's honestly, it's all over the place. Um, working for a nonprofit, I wear a lot of different hats. But what, how we sort of tried to structure um, the historic preservation program is integrating it into both our conservation work and our land use work. So, you know, some of what I do is is working with our field staff on clauses, preservation clauses for conservation easement projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it is working to research the history of some of the fee simple properties that PEC holds. We have a couple of them, and we're working to develop some interpretive signage and trails for those properties. And then, you know, the other sort of side of what I do is is working with our land use staff, uh, assisting them with Section 106 reviews that PEC participates as a consulting party in, working with them on the impacts that potential linear infrastructure projects could have on historic resources. Right. And then it sort of, I guess, a, a third thing that I do would be sort of the community engagement component, for lack of a better word. I'm not exactly sure how else to frame it, but we have a lot of different outreach projects and events where we try to engage with the the community in PEC's region. Um, I think that that is probably one of the most important things that we do because educating the people and engaging them, that's really helping them have that connection with place and helping them care about the area that they live in. It's a pretty dynamic program. Are you a staff of one in terms of just the, the quote unquote real preservation? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. But I would say so many, so many other people on staff are pretty directly involved in other various preservation projects. And are you the first person to fill this position? I am. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. I mean, in a, you know, an organization that's a heritage preservation organization in a sense, you know, like one of these organizations goes pretty, pretty far back to hold that role. That's pretty cool and pretty exciting that you got, you get to kind of set the course for what this is going to look like, because I'm sure in years to follow, they're going to kind of look back to the, uh, the Kendall administration and, uh, <laughs> and say, well, you know, the, the, this was her policy. So that kind of thing, which is cool. I mean, it's that's, been, it's been, it's been a dream that honestly, I don't, it seems maybe silly to say it, but this is my dream job. I just feel very fortunate to be here. Well, I, we will make sure to get that back to, to your boss there. I'm sure he'd be pleased to hear that. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, just so people know, where are you guys based out of? I don't think we actually mentioned that. Our, our main headquarters is in Warrington, mm-hmm. uh, in Fauquier County. But and that's we your have, office, too? That is my office, too. Yeah, that's, I'd say that's where probably 80% of our staff are. And we have 
another office in Charlottesville, and we we lease out a space actually down at Montpelier uh, for another office space. Fantastic. So in terms of the kind of work that you're doing, so you've described some of the different work, what are the big challenges that you're seeing out there? I mean, obviously land protection is an issue, but when it comes to Mm -hmm. saving structures, and and that has always been a rub, and we see it here in Maryland where it's like we're protecting land – you know, at a really good clip. I mean, things are things are going well right now, and we're putting a lot of money into land protection in Maryland. But the land that's being protected, when there's a historic structure on it, it's sort of like, oh, cool. You know, I mean, there, it's it's not. I mean, <laughs> right. it's it's really not a focus of the program. And so there's a little bit of that rub where it's like, well, we're protecting the land, but then, you know, all the bank barns are falling down, and you know, it just sort of it's right, kind of sad. Right. What kind of challenges are you seeing? Is it is it a funding issue? Is it a, what's the big what's the big friction point for the work that you're trying to get done? You know, I would say it's probably a, it's probably a broad issue, and it's not a certainly a new issue to preservation or the field of history in general, but uh, trying to keep it relevant. So what what we're seeing in especially areas like uh, eastern Loudoun County where, you know, there's a lot of development pressure, a lot of growth, a lot of people are moving out. Yeah, I was going to say, also, is there even in, anything left in eastern Loudoun County? Not much. Yeah, that's, <laughs> no. it's, 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 it's changed dramatically. Yeah. Um, but so what we're seeing is, you know, the demographics are changing more and more of PEC's constituency is they're either new to the area or they're new to the country and they don't necessarily have that historic connection to the land. And so the challenge, and this keeps me up at night sometimes, how do you, how do you help people develop a connection to the place they live and make them care about preserving it for the future? You know, if they haven't been there, if they haven't already developed that connection to the land. Christy, when you, you, um, when you figure that one out, could you give us a guys a call? Uh, (laughs) I think uh, if you figure that one out, you need to broadcast that widely to the rest of the country. I mean, that therein lies the rub, right? I mean, it's, you know, particularly in a fast growing area like that. I mean, you go to Loudoun County and, you know, for people who haven't visited there, it's right. You know, it's a a bedroom community, I guess you would describe of Washington, D.C. And it has grown, I mean, tremendously. I I don't know what the real numbers are, but over the past you know, 20 odd years, I mean, it's probably doubled or tripled in population. Yeah. And so the connection to what it was is almost impossible to find in some places. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, if you had lived there growing up, you might not even recognize it. Right. 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 So, and you know, we, uh, PC has this, this fellowship program. We've had it for, I think this summer was our 12th year that we did it. And we invite, um, college students or recent grads to come in for seven weeks and we sort of, you know, immerse them in the work that we're doing. And we always ask them for feedback. And after the historic preservation unit I gave this past summer, one of the fellows who was, I believe he was a Korean American. Um, he was born in Korea. He, he said that shared that he had a really hard time caring about preservation on a personal level because his family history was just different. His great great grandfather you know, never fought in the American Civil War. He was at home tending his farm in rural Korea. And that really, I think that resonated with me because that was the first time I had actually heard someone, you know, say it to me personally. And that was sort of my call to action. You know, I was, I was like, I heard that and I was like, 
I need to think of some way because this is going to be a, a growing issue. This is going to continue. So how do we help people connect to the land and how do we help them care? Yeah. Care about preserving it. Yeah, and it happens in every state. I mean, I've you know, I know here in Maryland, the number of people who were like born in Maryland, you know, shrinks every year because people move a lot more now, right? So there's just not right. that, you know, when you were talking about your home place at the beginning and sort of this long connection to a specific place. Mm-hmm. We just don't we don't really have that nowadays just because nature of the economy and people needing to move and things like that. I mean, that's that's right. sort of a it's a beautiful story, but I don't think a lot of us have it. So it's 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 not as if, you know, where you, it was sort of ingrained in you and it kind of came naturally. Uh, I think you're right. We have to find other ways of of engaging people and 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 trying to connect them to the power of of place. Um, yeah. So yeah. as we're talking about this, any specific projects that you're working on that would be an example of some things that, I mean, the fellowship program is very cool. Is there a specific building that you've worked on, something that you're proud of that you guys have been able to help facilitate preservation on? Yes, I would, I, I kind of have two, maybe uh, one that's just really cool and it's sort of building focused. And then another that's sort of the community engagement element. So the building focused one, there's this really neat log building in Fauquier County that was the home of one of the early generations of German immigrants to come to Virginia. And we learned that the the logs for the house were filled in 1800 and the family lived here for, I think, about 75 years. And there's this historic family cemetery on the property. And what we're trying to do is raise some funds to restore the property and the house and then use the property as a place where we can help people learn about historic preservation and how to do it and maybe have some connection to the Rappahannock River that goes by the property as well. That's pretty cool. And I mean, Germana, do you want to give people just an idea of what that is? Yeah. So, um, so the Germana Foundation is a is a nonprofit that was organized in the 1950s and their their focus is preservation and sort of genealogy, both of those together. And they look at the organization looks at an early group of Germans that came to Virginia in 1714 and 1717, and they at the time in 1714 when they settled along the Rapidan River, it was actually the westernmost settlement of the British Empire. And so from there, they pushed out into Fauquier County, into Culpeper, into Madison. And a lot of the places that you see today in those counties have those Germana-associated names. So the foundation tries to preserve that early history and heritage, both through genealogy, but also through properties that they that they own. Fantastic. And it's cool that you get to sit on that board and uh, be a part of that that whole story and the good work that they're doing there. Um, Christy, this has been a lot of fun. Really cool to talk with you. We probably could do another one of these and catch up with you in a year and see what's going on and maybe come out in the field and, and actually see some of these projects. Um, but before we go, the most difficult question of every interview, your favorite historic place or site? <laughs> that one, that's a great question. It's a pretty obscure place. But it's called the Upper Pocosin Mission, and it's in Shenandoah National Park. Okay. Um, the the mission is the site of 
one of more than 30 missions that the Episcopal Church established in the Blue Ridge Mountains in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. And at the height, the mission had a log house. It had a massive stone chapel. It had a, a bunch of houses that surrounded the community. But today, when you visit Shenandoah National Park, it's one of the few places where you can really see remnants of these former communities. And it's only a short hike down from Skyline Drive. So that's that's one of why one reason why one it's one of my favorite places. Well, a fantastic um, obscure one for us. We like the the unusual ones, um, <laughs> and uh, a good um, recommendation, I guess, for a for a fall hike uh, if you're headed out to, to Shenandoah. Well, Christy, this has been a pleasure. Um, really fun to talk with you. Thank you for all the good work that you're doing in the Piedmont. It matters. And I know all of us who, who love that part of the country are, are greatly appreciative for the work that you and the rest of PEC are doing. So send our best regards to everyone at PEC. Thank you again. Thanks so much, Nick. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's show, notes, and all previous episodes, visit PreserveCast.org. You can also find us online at Facebook and Twitter at PreserveCast. This program was supported by the Historic Preservation Education Foundation. PreserveCast is produced by Preservation Maryland in Baltimore City. Thanks again for your support, and remember to keep preserving. <laughs>